Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. If you're like a lot of people who have spent months stuck at home due to the current pandemic, you may be feeling a bit of malaise and having trouble keeping your focus. It's common, but it's critical to get out of it if you want life to keep moving. In this episode, we're going to discuss some ways to get your momentum back when you've lost it. This is especially important in the current scenario because a lot of your personal creative outlets may no longer be available. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, other than fighting with TypeScript, it looks like we've got a family member that has tested positive for COVID and we were just at their house. Um, Mm. So yeah, we're hanging out here. That's basically the the long and the short of it. Kind of wee bit irritating. The other thing is I did so much TypeScript over the weekend when I got into C-sharp Monday morning, it was a good 10 minutes before I adjusted. Like, I just couldn't write C-sharp anymore. I was, you know, doing the variables and the types in the wrong order and just all kinds of stupid stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was really bad. I was just like, man, I don't remember how to do this. So, oh, yeah. I've uh, I've been doing some pair programming learning TypeScript from our lead UI. And uh yeah, it like I have to take a moment to get into the mindset. Like we we had a session this afternoon and so like I had to take a few minutes looking over the code before we could start just so that I could get into that mindset. And he does the same when I'm showing him the C sharp stuff. Yeah. So how about you? So <laughs> it's been uh been an interesting week. One of the the stage TVs, like the hanging TVs on our stage at church, started, I don't know, going out. It was basically just like it looked faded. The other one, you know, clear, especially it was especially on the darker screens or like black backgrounds, you know, very dark blacks. This one kind of grayish. And it started about two two Saturdays ago, I think right in the middle of an event that we were having. And so like I was volunteering at the event, not on the tech team. Uh, Surprisingly, I was doing some other stuff and I noticed it and I was like, Hmm, you know, I I'm so focused on the cameras. I don't look at the screens that much. I wonder how long that's been going on because normally they fix things pretty quickly. It just started then. So we tried quite a few things over the week. And then this past Saturday, few of us were at the church for about four hours in the middle of the day. We basically, it's it's a wired connection to the computer at the back of the auditorium. So we convert the HDMI signal to Ethernet, run it through the ceiling over, and then convert it back when it gets to the TV. So basically, we have two of those. We did all this stuff. We... Like we switched out the boxes that do the conversion and all that, and like nothing fixed it. I switched it all up out by the computer, like sending from like the different inputs of the computer, nothing. 
so we figured, hey, it has to be that Ethernet cable because that's the only thing we can't switch out. So bought a new Ethernet cable, ran it, and it was still doing that. Uh, so we spent all that time figuring out. We still didn't know why it was doing it. All we could figure was the TV that was working, the signal coming f- out of the, the that converts it back to HDMI was then going into a splitter because it goes to a to the TV on the on the stage floor and to that hanging TV. And all we could figure out was, hey, that splitter is working. We don't know why. We just know that splitter is fixing the problem. So we'll buy an, a splitter and we'll fix it so that we'll have you know a decent picture on Sunday. Yeah, I get to church Sunday morning early to help set it up. Like we got the ladder still up and everything on the stage and TV's fixed. And so I look, our sound guy let me in. I'm like, did the Matt is the other guy who was working on it with me. He was the one who was bringing that. I was like, did Matt leave or something? I was like, I don't, I didn't see his car outside. He's like, no, he's not been here. I'm like, did you put it up there? Put the splitter up there? He's like, no, I just fixed it. I got tired of seeing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's like, I'm like, what? He's like, oh yeah. I was like, I knew the problem the whole time and I was just enjoying watching you guys fumble around with it. Uh, I'm like, see, I knew he was, I, I know him, we're, we're friends. I knew he was trying to get a rise out of me. He didn't know it all along because <laughs> he would not have done that. I mean, he might have for like a few minutes and then been like, have you guys tried this? No, he thought of a solution and fixed it. But uh, basically, it the NVIDIA drivers had updated ah. and it was changed the settings back to like monitor settings and not TV settings. And for some reason that HDMI splitter fixed, like changed it on the one TV. That's why we didn't think about looking at the, the computer because you know, anyway, yeah, that was, that was interesting. Speaking of connecting, I've been dealing with connecting to a uh, older third party application at work. Let me put it this way. The sample code for this was last updated 12 years ago. Oh, yeah. That helps. So, I, yeah, I found a memory leak and like I'm trying to figure out why is my code not working, but the sample code does talking to this DLL that then talks to a third party application. And I realized, hey, it's a memory leak in the sample code. And my code was, you know, not leaking that memory and that the DLL was expecting it uh, basically because it was written for kind of a stateful WinForms type application. But then I was writing a stateless web app. So, you know, yeah, closing down the form was get, took care of the memory leak. Can't really do that with the with what I was doing. So tried a few things. Nothing was working. And then I realized that the unit test I had written was set up wrong and was basically finding a leak that wasn't there. So when I fixed the test, that fixed the, like, that showed me that my initial fix had done the job. And so, like, all this that I had been doing for the last day or so was, you know, just running around in circles because my test was showing bad stuff. So that happens. Yeah. I actually got to do some testing today myself, so I, I'm oh, that's cool. very familiar with the feels on that. I mm-hmm. uh, got to play with uh, data-driven tests in X unit. Oh wow! And, yeah, 
I'll, I'll tell you more after we okay. record. Okay. We want to uh, to give a shout out to Chris Richards, who rejoined us on Patreon. He uh, he was with us before and uh, has come back, and we just want to welcome you back into our Patreon fold. And thank you for for supporting us here at Complete Developer Podcast. Sweet. Practically everyone you talk to these days is struggling to varying degrees. Lives have been thrown into chaos, and there is a tremendous amount of confusion as old routines are drastically and often suddenly altered. Worse still, most of us feel like we have no control over the way that our lives are going. This can make it very difficult to keep your motivation going. As time goes on, not only does your motivation take a hit, but you start to feel bad about the lack of forward motion. Eventually, it gets more difficult to get anything done, much less the stuff that really matters. However, while you can't always change the situation, you can change the way you respond and react to it. Even with the current situation we're in here, when we're recording this, it's the end of 2020, but it's going to be published early 21. And all of the weirdness that's been going on in the past year there are still things you can do to recover your motivation and get moving again. Uh, The situation is far from hopeless, and it's entirely possible that these times constitute the best opportunity you've ever had for real personal growth, provided you can get going again. Yeah, and there's also a bit of uh, danger here. Um, A lot of conversations about motivation kind of have a tone where they assume that you're going to achieve some sort of productivity nirvana if you just do the right three steps. And that's really unlikely to happen in the present circumstances or if we're really being honest, any circumstances that any of us are likely to encounter. Lots of discussions by motivational gurus will proceed as if nothing bad is going on. And that's not really a realistic assessment of most people's situations at most times or most people's situations right now. Rather, a decent approach to repairing your motivation consists of accepting reality as it is and then doing what you can with it instead of pretending that you have total control over everything. So guys, in this episode, we're going to discuss some strategies that you can use to get moving again when circumstances have sapped your motivation and your ability to focus. We're not going to give you some garbage advice about how you can just imagine yourself into better circumstances. Instead, we're going to give you some real ways that you can actually move forward to whatever degree you're able to do so. Before we do that, though, I do want to say, and when it comes to motivation, one thing that is really hard to do especially this time of year right after the holidays, is to get motivated with your finances. Lucas Casades is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Yeah, and the the cool thing about it is, and in this episode, we're going to get into talking to you about some actual things that you can do to move forward. Well, that's what Lucas does. His focus is on helping you establish a real plan and not just establishing the plan, but he stays with you and walks you through taking those actions 
so that you can live your best life. Yeah. And I think it's really important to, to understand that you're not too young and you're not too broke and you, you know, you don't lack sufficient investments to get help, right? Like you can actually get a financial planner to sit with you and work with you. And that's what Lucas does. Level Up has a pricing model that actually helps with this and makes it easier because it basically works with you where you are in your financial journey. Yeah. So guys, you can find some fun free resources and learn a lot more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. So the first thing we're going to talk about is, or I guess the first way to recover motivation, I should say, is to remember the beginning. Yeah. I mean, at some point, you may have made a decision to do whatever you're doing right now, right? Hopefully. Um, Try to remember how you felt at that point and why you were motivated then. Uh, And then see if those motivations are still valid and reasonable. Okay. So I have to tell a story here. I was telling Will about this before the episode, but um, I might get in a little trouble for this one, but probably not. So we'll, we'll see. I'll let you guys know what happens. Then it'll be two stories. (laughs) Yeah, true. That's true. So this past semester has been kind of rough on Amanda and myself, like, you know, school, especially on her because she's gone back to teaching and trying to teach in classroom and online and take a class online has just been really stressful. So almost every time we go out, it's, oh, hey, we're going to go maybe grab a bite to eat and sit at a coffee shop and study. Those have been our dates all semester long. So as we neared the end of the semester, I had finished my final and she was working on hers. I said, hey, this weekend, I want to take you out on a date. And she, she liked the idea. I was like, I mean, like clean out my car, you know, shower, dress nice, actual date, you know, trim the beard, that kind of stuff. And so her response was, hey, that sounds like a lot of fun. Can we pretend like it's our first date? That would be just like so silly and fun. Like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I love like we love doing goofy stuff like this. And I absolutely love that she is into that kind of stuff and not only just into it, but thinks of it, too. So. We do this. Last Saturday, we went out on a first date, which was hilarious because like halfway through the date, she's like, hey, pause. I got to go text my brother about your Christmas present. I'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that, that kind of funny stuff. But the neat thing about it was like, one, we had different conversations than we did on our first date. And I learned some stuff about her that I didn't know. Like, just that hadn't come up in conversation. Apparently she is really into laser tag, which is cool because I enjoy it too. But like, she got super excited about that. Knowing her, she's going to be like the most aggressive laser tag player ever though. Holy cow. Good luck. Oh yeah. Oh, it was, it was great. I I still won. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Uh, But yeah, it was, it was, it was fun anyway. But uh, yeah, so she, like, I didn't know that about her, but you know, that's cool. But it was after the date I was driving home. I'm like, man, like I just sort of going back. It reminded me of like when we first started getting to know each other and falling in love. And it's like, yeah, man, that was really cool. And like when, 
this being the first point, I'm like, oh man, I got to tell that story because, you know, I literally just did this without meaning to. We just sort of, we thought it would be a fun, goofy thing. And it was this whole like, hey, this is a big reminder of why we fell in love in the first place. Yeah, sometimes the uh, most profound things in life come out of the most goofy things. Yeah. Actually, most of the time, I I suspect. So yeah, we, you know, we talked about how like at, at some point you made a decision to do whatever you're doing now. Um, but you know, the alternative is, is that you may not have explicitly decided on your current situation, right? There's lots of people that are in jobs and careers and, you know, marriages and cities and everything else that they just kind of landed in and they didn't ever think about the decisions they made that got them there. Well, that's using my story as an example. That's like the situation that Amanda was in going, you know, going into the semester, you know, she wants to be, wanted to be a teacher. She went through school for that, but you know, didn't realize she was going to have to take extra classes to switch to high school. So if you think back, you know, you, you may realize that you are in a situation that you didn't intend to be in. Um, and this could easily be the reason that you feel demotivated to continue. Um, that's one of the, you know, that's all these strategies that we're listing here. That's one of the possible outcomes, right? Is, is shaking that out and going, okay, I don't want to do this. And then dealing with that. But regardless, one of the most important keys to recovering your motivation is to remember what previously motivated you and to evaluate whether that reason for motivation still applies. If it doesn't, you either need to find something else to motivate you or you need to reevaluate whether you want to continue doing what you're doing. So the next way you can recover motivation is to look for changes and adjust to them. You, know, you may also be feeling a lack of motivation because your circumstances have changed. And that happens. I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends who are not introverts, they don't like working from home. Yeah. You know, and it's it's been a drain on them. And so you want to take some time to figure out what's changed recently. Like, you know, we we know the big things, but really like break that down. What what in your life specifically has changed? And whether that change means your goals have a different outcome. Um do you remember was it 2016 or 20? It was 2017. Um, halfway through the year, my truck got stolen. Yeah. And we completely, we did an episode on it because I had to change my goals for the year. Yeah, I do remember that. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take a huge change to do that. I mean, it's not even a, a truck being stolen. You know, sometimes you can trivially adjust to a change. And, you know, sometimes you may also find that, you can't. Uh, for instance, if your schedule suddenly changed, you might find that changing your sleep schedule to match it makes more sense. Um, I did this fairly recently with my, you know, my day job because, you know, for the last month or two, I had been getting up and basically my butt hit the seat here right as I was supposed to be logging in. And that's that's not the way I roll, but that's what things got to. Yeah. And that you know, it was making me miserable. And so I actually, you know, shifted my wake up time to a little over an hour earlier. And now I'm, you know, I'm well caffeinated. I've eaten breakfast, you know, I've moved around a little bit, you know, the room's the right temperature. 
you know, yeah. when I start the day and it's, it's a tremendous difference. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I had a similar situation, but not with pushing my wake back. Cause I'm not a morning person. I was trying to wake up earlier and I was miserable and miserable. Cause I was trying to, and I, I kept failing at getting up in time to do the things I wanted to do. Cause I was trying to go to the gym and I actually adjusted my, cause I do have a little bit of a flex schedule. I adjusted my work schedule to allow me to actually get up and start work earlier in the day, but take a longer lunch break and go to the gym in the middle of the day. And I've actually been successful at going the last three or four weeks. Yeah. And it, it doesn't take much, you know, if you, and I guess the other thing too, that you kind of notice in all this sometimes is that the change in circumstances can also mean that your project, whatever you're working on is actually more important than what you thought it was. You know, for yeah. instance, the fact that I have a hundred percent remote work arrangement, you know, last year when I got it, um, it was nice. It was definitely a huge upgrade, but it's kind of a bit more important right now um, that that's there, right? And the the importance of that has shifted. And if I hadn't recognized that by you know looking at what had changed, um, you know, that may not have really occurred to me. Mm-hmm. So third tip is to get moving on easy tasks instead of trying to move on critical ones. A lot of times your motivation is going to need a bit of a kickstart, especially if you're just kind of dragging. And you kind of need an easy win to make that happen. You know, odds are good that if you're stuck, you're probably not stuck on the easiest or most pleasant thing on the list. Yeah, uh, I do this a lot when I get stuck. If I'm just like, I've been beating my head against the wall. I'll move on and do something, something simple. Like I'll go write a data transfer class or something like that. You know, just something stupid, easy, but it's a, I can check it off my list of to do's. And what's nice is like those kind of like the things that would be dull and boring and you'd save till later are great to save for when you're stuck and you're just like, all right, I want to make some progress, but I don't like, go do some mind numbing tasks and then look and go, Hey, I got all these things that I was dreading doing done. And you know, well, and the other thing too, is a lot of those tasks are really, really annoying when you're in the middle of something difficult and you got to pivot and do them. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the other side of it, right? Is you're getting stuff out of the way. Um, It can be at times a little bit difficult to justify this to management. So you may want to just say, okay, well, I'm going to take a smaller chunk of my current task and handle it before I consider any of the rest of it. Um, yeah. And just, you know, figure out how to divide it up versus it already being a separate task. Um, and, and this is why agile teams break stuff down, right? Is mm-hmm. th- there's, there's good psychological research behind this. Yeah. The other thing about simple, smaller tasks is that, you can more quickly get positive feedback, which is going to help your mood or help you more effectively reason about the problem you're dealing with. Like, for example, the the issue that I ran into, like, I knew I would eventually come to a solution, but I'm like, all right, I'm stuck. So I went and helped another developer on some stuff because I like I'm an extrovert. I'm outgoing. I like that interaction. Right. You know? <laughs> And by by doing that, it actually kind of 
boosted me. And I also chatted with Will about it just a little bit going, hey, have you ever dealt with this kind of an issue? And he he sent me some ideas that ultimately led me to the solution that I came up with. So, yeah. And talking to you is actually me getting away from something for a minute. <laughs> so that's kind of <laughs> relatively amusing that that worked as well as it did for both of us. I know, right? Um, and you know, speaking of stuff that has worked well for both of us in the past and you know, will continue to do so in the future is you know, point number four, which is to look for and fix health issues that you're dealing with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you feel like crap, you're not going to be motivated just in general. You know, we, we talked about sleep times a little bit before, but stuff like your diet, your exercise levels, your alcohol consumption, or even just old aches and pains can really significantly alter your feelings of well-being. And that obliterates your motivation very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been proven that exercise reduces stress and improves your sleep. Like, you know, not just amount, but quality of sleep. Yeah. Like, I, I can already tell, like, I've been going, I, I think I've been going back about three weeks now, three days a week, because I want to work my way up to going every day, but start small chunks, right? Right. You know, and so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go in, I'm going to hop on the treadmill for 30 minutes, and just I'm going to do the hill climber at a doable pace, not pushing it, not stressing myself, just you know, getting into the habit. And while I've noticed a little so far as the weight, I've noticed mostly changes in my mood. Yeah, it does not take a ton of exercise to to make a big difference. I mean, I know health issues are not the easiest thing in the world to fix, but a lot of times there are really simple things like that that you can do that make things less miserable, even if it doesn't totally correct all the problems. Uh, In particular, pay attention to your diet, your sleep, and kind of the constant nagging aches and pains. Uh, Because those are the things that are going to really just sort of draw your motivation out uh, and just just drag it down. Improve those, and you'll find that you're better equipped to deal with other difficulties. The nagging aches and pains is a big thing because when you're, you're, Seems like you've gotten used to it, but what's really happening is the the resources that your body has to deal with stressful situations are now being used to deal with those aches and pains. Right. And, you know, speaking of resources, too, sometimes hormonal things come into this, too, right? Like for, for dudes, you know, if they're low T, it messes you up. It kills your motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you suspect something like that is going on, you probably should get it checked sooner rather than later. And, you know, the other thing, thing. yeah, (laughs) it was, I I, I was, I said another thing and I was like, you know, Beach needs to actually be the one to say this because this is kind of your thing. Yeah. Another thing that is big is allergies and food sensitivities. This is where small, small changes can have big payoffs though. If you talk to Will and, Amanda, they will say cutting out onions was not a small thing because they both love them. Um, however, I am no longer allergic to onions, so that's that's a wonderful thing. Um, but uh, yeah, when I started having issues, oh, I was what twenty three, twenty four, probably yeah, yeah. Um, 
And I didn't know what was going on. I was in the hospital a lot, having all sorts of procedures done, and it turned out to be a food allergy. And once I, once I learned that, I stopped eating that food. I stopped having as many problems. Yeah, and it did, you know, like for a while there when you were kind of periodically getting a hold of some onions and not realizing it. Yeah. Like I could, uh, there were a couple of times I was pretty sure I was like, he got a hold of some onions before you said anything about it because like the difference in your mood, just like the way that like your your sentences got shorter and, yeah. and like more abrupt and it's like, ah, he's had some onions. Like you could, you can tell and mm-hmm. that stuff will eat your motivation up. Well, that's also like, it was very painful too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's totally legit. I mean, you remember, like I used to have eczema on both hands, like going back I remember that, yeah. halfway down my arms. Um, it's dairy. It does it for me. I can eat hard cheese and it doesn't cause me any problems and I can eat yogurt. Like if I culture yogurt myself, it doesn't seem to do anything to me. But I was drinking these Atkins protein shakes in the mornings mm-hmm. and they had cream in them. And yeah, I mean, it just broke my hands out like crazy. And once I stopped drinking those, that really, you know, eased it up. I'll still get occasional little bits of it if I have too much dairy, but it's, it's not like it was, it's not, you know, halfway up my arm. Yeah. I remember you were very afraid it was the beer. Yeah. (laughs) Like he was legit concerned. Y'all will like (laughs) his beer. (laughs) I like my beer and I like my whiskey and it's like, come on, that's not a good one to, (laughs) <laughs> lose. But I mean, I, you know, I've got a few food sensitivities and they're mostly okay if I keep things within limits. Yeah. So the next way to recover motivation is to lean on your support network. You know, don't try to do everything by yourself. Uh, while you can probably do it, it's not efficient. Uh, this is especially true if you're stuck trying to figure out something simple. Uh, this is this goes back to to my story. I didn't when I decided to tell this one, it literally happened to me this week. I wasn't expecting it to be as useful to the uh the actual outline as it has been, but this goes That's back to because I planned ahead, clearly. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. No. <laughs> Will was so motivated. Sorry guys, I couldn't yeah, you know how well I planned ahead when it's like, okay, the episode's done an hour before the show. <laughs> Well, that was, yeah, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, No. um, So Will was basically my support network on this one. Um, Will and one of the developers I work with at work who I could tell more details about it than I could tell Will. And, you know, like I was just like reached out to him and, you know, sometimes it's, something that Will and I provide for each other just in our friendship over the years is, Hey, you're, you're not in the right here. You know, sometimes it's, you just need someone to go, Hey, yeah, man, that, that sucks. That's terrible. You know? And just to, to, why did you do that? You crackhead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is also a service we both happily provide. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's true. That's true. For almost everything you do, you're going to have someone in your support network who can do it better, uh, who has more experience or just has an approach that you don't. This is why I like talking to other developers about things 
I have a developer working with me on this project who is has never built anything in .NET Core. And he's absolutely fascinated and excited to learn it, but he has, you know, years and years of experience in MVC. Right. And I told him, I was like, I because he was asking me about how to do stuff. I was like, look, I don't want you to be a clone of my coding. Like, here's some examples. Uh, I want to maintain the same structure so that we have uniformity, but I don't want you to just be an extension of me. So you write the code, we'll go over it in our code review, and I'm expecting to learn some things. Yeah, especially since, you know, I don't know a lot of .NET developers that have switched to .NET Core that are still doing MVC at .NET Core. Like, it seems like they're always throwing a front-end framework and just doing API calls and, you know, RESTful stuff. I don't think I've done MVC at .NET Core yet. Probably ought to do some soon. (laughs) (coughs) Well, that's the thing. We're not doing MVC in .NET Core either. Okay. It's just, that's what his experience is, MVC. And so, like, the the whole web API, all that stuff is, he's like, I've done a little bit of it, but that's not his forte. And he's... I love his attitude. I want to have it when I've been developing as long as he has because he is excited about getting to do this stuff. And it's fun. We get on a call and like we get to go in and sometimes the the UI developer will get on with us and I'm like, I'm sorry, man. We we kind of got excited about that. <laughs> He's like, yeah. I'm just glad you guys love what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise I have to do it. And that's not yeah. cool. <laughs> that's what the UI guy thinks. Yeah. That's what we think about UI. So it's it's fair. <laughs> you know, but the thing is is you you do have people in your support network that care about you, hopefully. You know, sometimes when stuff gets too difficult, it's worth just, you know, reaching out to them and just talking. Sometimes that's not the easiest thing in the current environment, but even a Zoom call is better than nothing. And it's probably worth doing, especially if you're getting really stuck and bogged down. You know, speaking of support networks, guess who called me the other night? Probably the same friend that called me the other night wanting a laptop fixed. Oh, this one wasn't wanting something fixed. This was a friend who doesn't live in the state anymore. It was a guy. Yeah, he sent me a message just saying, hey, how are you? And I responded. And then he called. He's like, well, I figured if you were still up, we could just... uh, do this old school and talk i'm like yeah man that's cool like it's the 90s yeah (laughs) and so uh we talked for about four hours i think i got to bed around 2 (laughs) a.m it was it it was a rough night but it was awesome just catching up with him and stuff and you know i haven't seen him in i haven't seen him physically in probably about five or six years haven't talked to him on the phone in a year or so. Yeah, it's been and longer so than that since I've talked to him. It was it was just really good to catch up with him. And that's why we were on the phone till 2 a.m. Just because it was like, you know, uh, but it was awesome. And, you know, that this reminded me of that because I'm like, yeah, like you do have people. You have people who may not be like who still care about you that you may not have seen in a while. Yeah. Who can help with things and you know sometimes sometimes they don't even have to be tech people if you're stuck on something technical sometimes just talking about it yeah or just knowing that somebody out there gives a crap about you because usually it's not just technical stuff right it's technical stuff plus other stuff 
those things, you know, they're they're kind of like buzzards. They seldom travel alone and they don't travel without bad reasons. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the thing too with your support network is also consider things like outsourcing some of your work to people that you know that can do it. I mean, if you're in a position to do that, mm-hmm. um, especially the parts that you don't like, this can free up your focus so that you can work on stuff that you care more about and that doesn't drive you insane. Yeah. And I mean, I've done that a little bit. You've done it a little bit. And I mean, it makes a difference being able to just kick some stuff out of your life that you don't want to do. So I'll, I will say um, something we've got. I think next week is our uh, first Enneagram episode where we're going to talk about kind of like the Enneagram as a whole. But you and I uh, mentioned our types and being a type two asking someone else to do something for me is one of the hardest things. Yeah. And it's and, not terribly easy for me either as an introvert yeah. because then I got to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's not easy. Like a type, it's not easy for ones and twos to do that for different reasons, like internal motivation reasons, but it's just, that is a really hard thing to do. So what I'm saying is like, guys, I understand it. If you're like, I, I don't, like, I don't want to need anybody. I'm the person who's needed. Or, you know, from Will's perspective, uh, one's attitude is more like, well, you know, I want to make sure it gets done right. So I'll just do it myself. It's hard to give up that control. Right. Yeah. I've been, I've been kind of learning this a little bit with this, this project because I've got that other uh, developer I was talking about who has way more experience than me uh, developing, but not in the particular framework we're doing. And so, I'm sort of over the project and he's working under me, even though we're the same level. It's, it's been interesting just going like, cause he'll tell me about the way he's doing stuff. I'm like, that's not the most efficient way to do it this way in this framework. Um, I might do that a little bit differently, but also, you know, need to let him figure it out for himself because he wants to learn. If he didn't care about learning, I would just straight up be like, Hey, no, that's not efficient. Do it this way. Yeah. But it's I'm going to let him do that and go, oh, hey, it would be better to do it this way. Um, he's already done that once where he came he came to a, a call and he's like, so I figured out that this would be a better way to do it. I'm like, yeah, I didn't want to tell you that because I wanted you to figure it out on your own. And we go over in the code review if it didn't, you know, I wouldn't let it, it get into out. production. But um, and he, he was like, I like that. That's good. That's the way I learned. I'm like, I know me, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a reason for that. Um, and, you know, that kind of fits with the next thing, right? When you're dealing with something difficult is you concentrate on the benefits, not the difficulties. So yeah. if you get a minute, you know, spend some time actually listing out the downsides and difficulties of what you're doing. Then you take that list and you figure out what advantages those difficulties give you. So like in you know this guy's case, you know, he's having to climb a learning curve, which is painful. Um, but now he's on the upside of that curve, you know, once he's, once he gets done. Right. So if he focuses on, here's the benefit, he's more likely to learn and stick with it. Honestly, he is a really fast learner. So part of it too, cause he wants to learn this and you like, we both learn best by doing, I, I've sort of let him figure some stuff out on his own because what he's building, his piece of it is going to rely on mine to work. Um, to make the full connection. And 
my part's the the more difficult part, but I've also had several months to research it and stuff. And so I was like, all right, well, we'll get done around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. He knew he's almost done. Yeah, he did. I'm like, I I knew he was a fast learner, but I was like, wow, man. Well, you put him in a position to learn that, which makes a big difference. It does. It does. And I'm just like, I like, I already knew he was a fast learner and I'm still impressed by it. I'm just like, dude, I am going to really love working on this project with him because this is our first sprint. So I'm just like, I'm going to learn, love this because I'm going to learn so much just from working with him. Yeah. And kind of being in a sort of managerial position will help you as well. But you know, back to the whole difficulty listing Sorry, thing. Sorry, I, I got us off. <laughs> yeah, it happens. But you know, if you list out the difficulties, not only does this do a wonderful job of telling you which things aren't worth doing in the first place, but it can also give you a, a bit of perspective on the relative importance of everything that you are doing. So there's some stuff that's difficult and has a very small payoff that you probably should still go for. But there's some things that are not as hard that have huge payoffs. And if you break stuff down this way, you can kind of triage and do um, the, the more important things, you know, the Pareto type rule there. Oh, yeah. You know, by focusing on the upsides, you can spend more on the more time on the things that matter. Yeah, which is ultimately the, the fastest way to improve your productivity. A lot of times, too, if you do this, you can make the upsides even more profound with really slight adjustments to what you're doing. So, um, you know, I've got a friend that had to do some natural language processing type stuff. And it's like these relationships between words in the English language and how they're related. And it's this linguistics graph dumpster fire text file thing that he had to parse and tile this crap together for a project he was doing. And then he kind of realized, you know, he's like, man, I really hate this. But he was like, well, if I get this done, you know, my competitors don't have this and I could actually sell this as a service because they're not going to want to do this. Just that part. He's like, I could just split that off into its own app and sell it. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, and he's like 98% done with it when that occurred to him. And, you know, this kind of thought process is what got him there. He's like, wait, this is a moat. If you're on the right side of the moat, the moat helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of moats, the next way to recover your motivation is to remember your larger purpose. Will's looking at me like, how does that have anything to do with moats? I'm like, moats are large, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I just was going to let it fly. I was like, all right. (laughs) He he was giving me a look. It was a a weird segue, man. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it it really is easy to get caught up in minutia, especially when you're on a long-term project. Um, If the project is going to make a huge positive impact on your life, it's really easy to forget that when you're tracking down yet another null reference exception at two o'clock in the morning. Oi. Yes, I, I understand that. And it's, that's one of the things that I, I probably annoy people with how positive I am about my job is, you know, I get to do things that are actually helping people and making a difference. And yeah. not a lot of people in, job similar to mine can say that. I mean, I can say it about my job and it definitely yeah. changes the way that it feels when you're like, yeah, this is helping real people who are in a mission that I support versus it's, you know, helping some Silicon Valley VC feel better about themselves because they made a 
social network for orangutans or some crap. You know, like it's it's a real thing. I don't know. One why. day someone is going to invent that. I know. I don't know why I use that as an example, but it's <laughs> it is rather horrifying. The more I think about it. <laughs> Because they're going to be rough on equipment for one thing. You know, they're going to throw a phone, um, but whatever. A lot of times you'll also figure out, you know, as you get stuck, that if you keep the larger goal in mind, that may help you formulate alternatives to what you're currently doing. Sometimes your larger purpose can be served immediately with a small, quick win in a big way. Like sometimes 80% solutions will get you, you know, a long way with not a whole lot of effort. And that just so gives true, you the yeah. ability to see those. Finally, it's worth re-examining your larger purpose fairly often just to make sure that it's still a goal worth attaining. I mean, I've kind of talked about, especially early on in the podcast, med school and leaving that and you know the the depression and stuff that I was going through. And as I started coming out of it and got the job in development like honestly learning to code was one of the the best things for me um i actually i should actually say relearning to code yeah because learning how to write production code now yeah <laughs> yeah i was actually i had lunch with a friend of mine today from church and i was telling him sort of synopsis of that time and stuff cuz he was asking me he's like you know so have you always wanted to be a computer programmer i was like sort of <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was telling him about like how I was into it. I got out of it. I went like I went for this other challenging thing, medicine and that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, when you're going through and this is especially when you've got like very low motivation, you start looking at what what's important. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you're the reason your motivation is lacking is because you're working on things that aren't important to you. Yeah. Or you're doing it in the sloppiest, most horribly inefficient manner possible. Like, I mean, early on in the podcast, right? Like the decision to get audio edited by somebody else was kind of a big deal. I say early on, like three years in or four years in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was at the, when we first started, I had the time. And it was part of the learning to thing. learn how to do it. I mean, yeah. And honestly, that's what, led to me getting like getting where I am now at the church. And like I got on the creative team because of my editing abilities that I learned and refined through the podcast and a big shout out to our friend uh Jason who well we don't use his music for IOTs anymore because we don't have IOTs, but we use it in the aftercast. Yeah. So we'll pull well, in the aftercast guys. The yeah, you know, the other thing too is your larger purpose gets larger. Yeah. Over time. And you need to reevaluate that pretty often because it may not be where it was. Another thing that will help you uh, with your motivation is getting rid of negative influences. Um, the fact is, is, if you have negative or toxic people around you, it will obliterate your motivation. And, you know, do be aware as well that. There are people that can be wonderful about most things, but they will continually talk down about your major life goals. And that's still toxic. And you have to limit the amount of exposure you have to that. Yeah. I didn't want to tell a story on this one because we're, we're 
coming towards the end of the episode, but I'm going to because it's very important here. When I was very depressed, you know, before I got into, before we started the podcast or right early on in it, and before I got my first job as a developer, I had people who had been super supportive of me when I was really down and depressed. And as I started coming out of that, like they ended up being toxic because while they were super helpful at that deep stage, at the higher levels, they didn't want like they're like, oh, no, you can't do that. You need to stay down here with us Well, because they're comfortable where they are. Yeah. And, you know, that's OK for them if they're comfortable where they are. Yay for them. Yeah, I was hey. not. Yeah, I mean, the pigs have to have their style, right? Um, yeah, and I mean, we had, we both had negative friends in college and, you know, getting away from them was some of the best things we ever did. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you still care about those people, but you cannot stay with them if you're going anywhere because they'll, I mean, and people with poor boundaries uh, as well, right? Like that's another form of toxicity that you've got to avoid or people that have drama all the time or that, that are just negative on a regular basis. Like it, you, you don't want to hang around with that if you want to maintain your motivation. So the next one, and this will probably be the second to last one we do is limit the number of decisions you make while executing. Sometimes the problem is, you know, decision fatigue rather than actually burning out. You know, you just are having to decide too many things reduce the number of decisions that you have to make in a given day, that can help a lot. Uh, you know, it's funny. One of the exciting things for Amanda about doing the the first date was I'm the guy, so she had zero decisions to make. Yeah. You know, it was just, you know, what to wear and that's it. And she was so excited about not having to make a decision. Yeah, I get that. And, you know, I'll say another thing that goes with this as well is try to separate the phases of your work um, that involve making decisions from the phases of your work that involve acting on those decisions, because that can reduce the stress of both. Like if you're having to make decisions while you're under a tight timeline or doing something that's already difficult, it's harder, right? Like that's why we work from outlines when we record so that we don't have to think on our feet at that level. Yeah. You also want to embrace the power of making a good enough decision that lets you get moving. Yeah, this reminds me of running the cameras at church. So we have two cameras, camera one, camera two, and they're at different places. They have different angles towards the stage from the back of the auditorium. Well, camera one has a limited number of shots and it's a great sort of transition camera. So like, like its shots are you might get a tight shot of the keyboard player from camera two, hit camera one while camera two moves over and gets a tight shot of the drum kit. You know? Right. And so with camera one, the big thing is composition because that's where you're going to sit on that shot for a while. With camera two, it's speed. And one thing that in training people I have, I have seen, and I didn't realize this because it's, it's not something I struggle with, but I have seen other people struggle with is making that transition from, all right, my goal is get a good composition to my goal is get a good enough composition in time for the director to use it dynamically. 
Right. Very early on, I, I had a little bit of issue with this, but once I figured out, hey, this is how we're going to use them because this is when we were figuring everything out. It was, oh, okay, we can, I can get a snappy shot. And yeah, like I'll, I'll get a shot and I'm like, oh man, I got a nice shot of the, the lead singer, but every now and then the guitarist elbow comes into the shot right there. Just like a little, like an inch just on the edge where it drives people crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's the thing too, right? Like it's like starting a new project in code. You know, people will go, oh, I've got to have dependency injection. I got to have, you know, a mediator pattern. I got to have all this other crap in here. And, you know, no, you got to show a web page, make that happen first, and then start adding all the other stuff. And it will, it'll bog you down and you'll spend a day and get no progress. Yeah. So as the last thing that we're going to say, speaking of number progress. 10, yeah, speaking of progress is track the small wins. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you put this in as the last one, man, because this is so important. It it really like hits so much of this. Your motivation will lag, will drag, will fall off if you feel like you aren't making any progress. Like odds are good. Like it's going to happen and you're probably making progress. Like realistically, if you're working, you're making progress. You're just not seeing it. Right. I mean, it is possible to not, but it's it's a lot harder to not yeah. than, than you think it is. Um, you know, the the thing is, is it, if you track the small wins, it's also a lot easier to troubleshoot ways to move faster. You know, I mean, just just in general, right? Like if you're if you're troubleshooting ways to move faster, that is easier than trying to figure out how to get moving. Yeah. And it shifts your mindset by tracking those small wins to I'm. I'm trying to do a speed improvement, not trying to figure out how to take off. Mm-hmm. You know, small wins are also a good way to determine whether you're focusing on the right things or not. Like if you're not tracking what you're doing, it's easy to lose sight of the amount of time you're spending on tasks, uh, which means you won't know if you're being distracted by the minutia. I have this notebook. I'm holding it up for Will to see. I, I'm going to look at my the first date in here. I think it is, yeah, January 25th, 2017. I have a note here that my lead developer was late to work that day. <laughs> <laughs> nice, I guess. But yeah, like I started, I bought this then. It's this very thick notebook. And I I went through one side, I'm going back through the other side. and. I track what I do throughout the day and not just that, but I'm like, all right, here I spent about this much time here and I don't track exact times, but I'll kind of put, if I spend a lot of time on something, I'll put it by there. And what that does is it helps me when writing my status reports at the end of the week, but also in entering my time, stuff like that. Well, and also when you start estimating, yeah, you know, you go, Hey, what what was something similar? I did. You have that. Um, it That's does, true. it makes a difference. And that shift in perspective is so valuable. I mean, you just really, it, it, it can't be missed. So things don't always work out perfectly. Um, I think the year 2020 is probably a good example of that. I hope as you're listening to this in 2021, that th- this year is a bad memory. 
<laughs> and not like, you know, the first level of Jumanji. <laughs> because it's kind of, that's what, the way this year has felt is, you know, you're just kind of uh, ranking up. But, you know, the thing is, it's completely normal to periodically feel a complete loss of motivation. You know, given the current strains on society, it's not only normal, but it's kind of abnormal if you don't. It's, it's pretty much expected. However, if you've got big goals, you probably don't want to wallow in misery until things get better. Part of taking charge of your own life is figuring out how to correct your motivation so that you can keep moving forward. It may not be perfect, but a lot of things in life aren't, and you still have to deal with them anyway. So that uh, pretty much wraps us up. Uh, what do you have this week for us for Tricks of the Trade? So this episode really kind of hit home for me. Um, when I was reading through it, I was thinking about earlier last year when we went like when the lockdown first hit and we had like two weeks to go from, you know, there's uh, three of us in the booth at a time running a live service to, hey, now we have to figure out how to stream. And you have like two computer geeks and a sound guy working through this together with our lead who is not a tech savvy person. Like she knows the tech, but she's not like, that's not her forte. She just got put in charge of the team before I came on. But uh, yeah, we face challenges every week. We were talking about that. Um, You guys know the movie galaxy quest. Mm -hmm. Never give up, never surrender. (laughs) Yeah. We watched that this year at one point, actually. Yeah. And that that was that was our attitude throughout this this whole thing. But uh, like it, the whole thing reminded me of that. I was thinking about it. Um, one of our first Sundays back, I was up on the camera stand, and I was thinking about how in the movie they have this huge adventure, and at the end of the movie, like they ha- they have the show. Um, spoiler alert! At the end of the movie, they make it. And they're redoing the show and they've got new characters and stuff. And you know how like the intro to a show like that, it shows the characters like the camera kind of comes up on them in their role. and They smile and wave like the camera is a friend or something. And I was literally thinking, standing up on the camera stand, I waved at a friend of mine and I was like, you know, I could totally see someone making a movie about like everything that we did, everything that we faced day in, day out doing that for several months because every every service, we were doing three services a week, we would come in and there would be something that wouldn't work. Well, and you had a lot of character arc too. I mean, just like hearing the way you talked about it, like when we were recording back in March, April versus Mm -hmm. now, you've changed, Mm -hmm. right? Like that experience has, it's changed what you think you're capable of. But the other thing is, is you've, you've realized that you're able to overcome stuff in yeah. a way that you probably didn't think you were capable of. Like there was stuff that I think had you been asked a year before, could you pull this off? You would have been like, no, that would break me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it. And it, what's funny is I, I have noticed one thing about myself, just, you know, personal story here when I'm not give when I'm not given any responsibility, I'm going to be an irresponsible goofball. That's just my natural personality. I'd agree but with also, that. Also, <laughs> sorry. my natural personality. No, I don't be sorry for saying that. It's true. And I, it's 
it's not even because I have to be negative. told to have fun. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know it could be worse. But the thing is, the moment you give me responsibility, I get serious, and not the not the you know I've never had responsibility. I'm going to overdo it. Serious? No, I just I take it seriously. I still have fun, and oh my goodness, we laugh so much on the tech team. It's like we have to rein it in sometimes because something will happen or like the pastor will say something in one of his sermons, especially in live. And we will just bust out laughing back there. Cause we remember what he's talking about and like what we went through. And so, yeah, like we have a lot of fun and I'm, you know, I'm a leader on the team and have fun and am lighthearted, but you give me responsibility. I step up to it. Um, and guys, what I want to get at is running into a problem when you're developing can really drain you. That's what we've been talking about, especially if you're suffering from a lack of motivation. You may be stuck on something or just out of ideas. And the trick to overcoming these times is your attitude. Like several of Will's points hit on attitude, but you know, it and several of them hit on it helps if you've been successful before because you can look on that. But look at it as a game or a puzzle because that's the attitude we took during that time was other people are doing this. Gamers with no tech skills are doing this. They're streaming daily. Yep. We can figure it out. There's a solution. All we got to do is get to the solution. And well, once you take on that attitude about your developing, you're just going to like, even if you don't have it right now, you can step away and come back. And, and like reassess, use the tools that we have. All you have to do is view it as here's my problem. There is a solution out there. I just got to find it. And it's once you fun find when it, I do. Yeah. Once you find it, then you can refine it and make it elegant. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It just has to be a solution. And then you can make it beautiful. Basically, guys, that's all I got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.